Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and welcome back to the Utah Puck Report, Matt. It's been a minute, right, Gary? Where have we been? What is going on here? Uh, we're your host, Jay Stevens, Gary Michaels. We're glad to be here. Uh, we took yeah. took a couple weeks off. The season ended, and unfortunately, uh, uh, and we took just a little bit of a break. But we're back. We're going to be going strong all summer. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to kick off our summer. We brought in uh, kind of the summer specialist. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, in, uh, we've got Greg Lieb in the studio today, and Greg, you're like the coach. I was, I, was, I was talking to Ryan Kanasiewicz about you this morning, and I'm like, uh, anybody that puts on a camp in the state of Utah goes after you to be their skills guy. Anybody that has a travel team organization, I think, goes after you. And you've had some just say that you're their skills guy without actually... <laughs> Is that right? I, I don't know if I've heard that, but um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty busy this past uh, winter. Actually, the past couple winters have been pretty busy with... Uh, uh, my boys growing up now they're getting involved with the with the travel hockey and and um in helping out also with the uh, junior grizzlies as well so it's been it's been busy winters yeah. are always busy yeah well very good i'm glad you're busy in the winter too so first i want to kind of get to know you a little bit like uh we know that you were here because of the utah grizzlies but uh and typically our, our guys are from utah and they tell their stories about being from utah but where are you from I grew up in Alberta. I was born and raised there, and I played all my hockey in Alberta until until I left uh, to play in the WHL in Spokane. Okay, uh, and that was uh, at seventeen. And uh, tell us, were there superstars on your team in the in the dub? In the dub, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody that um, came from our team from those years. Uh, uh, Nobody really stands. I know we were always playing against uh, Portland all the time, which had Marion Hosa. Wow. And uh, oh, cool. I guess it would have been um, Ference at the time. Um, we did have a Ference on our team. It was Brad Ference, but I believe it was Andrew Ference yep. that was on that team. Um, so there, there was quite a few players on, on uh, Portland that we had to battle with all the time. How was, how was that? Was that was that tough leaving like seventeen? Were you just like ah, I'm good? You know that's a good question. Uh, I was I was looking to play. Um, I was hoping to play junior somewhere. Um, one team that I was considering was the Old Grizzlies in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And um, two weekends later, after that tryout, they said I'd be playing there. Uh, I went to Spokane and um, ended up. They, they told me to 
stay here. Well, <laughs> bring, awesome. bring your bring your <laughs> stuff down and stay here. So, uh, and at that point, I had to actually make a decision to stay in Spokane or play Alberta uh, Junior Hockey League. Which at that time, you you really have to consider going the college route or major junior route. So, so that's I, uh, I actually wanted to ask you that question, and because. I preach it, and obviously one of my best friend's sons is playing in the dub. And, I, like, I, I'm super proud of them, but I, I feel like they miss out on that college opportunity. That's four more years of playing and growing up. And um, Growing up in Canada, what's it – are people geared towards playing major juniors, or are they – do people talk to you about playing college? You know what? I think that nowadays, and without, without being um, around quite a bit there anymore because I live down here – I believe that the 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 attitude has changed a little bit because there's a lot of players that are coming out of uh, out of college now, right? And but back then, back when I was going through it, and especially being a smaller player at that time, you're trying to look for any sort of edge you can have to play uh, pro pro hockey. So for me at that time, there was no guarantee I was going to have a a, a a college scholarship, right? And and at the time when I decided to go to Spokane and, and to stay there, it was mainly uh, the decision was actually based on uh, on education. So as you know, you play in the, in the WHL, you will get as you know for each year you're playing, you're getting money towards tuition and whatnot towards either. Uh, uh, I think mostly it's to a Canadian university. So wow. because I had that somewhat of a quote unquote guarantee. I decided to go that route. Plus, it allowed me to hopefully, as a smaller player, show that I could play at what back then was considered more of a professional, you know, path with right. the number of games you play and the travel and whatnot. Um, you can show that you can maybe play at the, at the professional level. Well, and at your age, well, at that age, and even now, the dub out of all the major juniors was considered the more physical. Like that's the farm boy league, right? That's where. Guys go and they grind it out and tough league and lots yeah. of travel <laughs> and yeah it's it's definitely a grind yeah so for you keep referring to yourself as a smaller player tell us at, at, at juniors how tall were you and would you weigh uh, what the program said or <laughs> no I, 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 skates I on <laughs> that's right <laughs> with the afro yeah, yeah that's right uh, five seven and back then I was probably about one hundred and thirty five pounds. Jeez, yeah, 140 pounds. I'm so. playing in the dub. And playing in WHL. I thought I was 5'7 for like 30 years, and I found out I was 5'6. Yeah. <laughs> what? What happened? Getting shorter. Well, all right, I got to tell the story. This is this is sad part about getting older, right? It's that you do the chart with your kids on the, like we have this bathroom frame, right? Uh-huh. And we always put, uh, there's a dash for you, there's a dash for me. Okay, dad will do a dash too. And then, <laughs> and uh, at some point, my I shrunk. <laughs> I went from like six three to six two and a half. Oh, gravity's rough, man. Yeah, it really is. Age is t- gravity and age. That's <laughs> tough. As long as the waist isn't expanding, you're oh, fine. Well, I got that now too. Okay. But uh, anyway, so and that's just one of the things about you is that um, you, you were playing in the dub, and you're 135 pounds and 140 pounds, or whatever the program said, and you put up good numbers. I I. Did okay, yeah. Um, you know, in my last two years playing there, uh, I think I really um, found found my way, found my game, and how to adjust and and play within that within that style. And and it also it also helps having decent players around you too, and you yeah. complement each other. So yeah, my last couple of years were, were were much better. And um, 
and, and it was enjoyable. It was an enjoyable place to play. They treated us very well. And the ownership group there with uh, Mr. Bobby Brett, uh, as you know, George Brett, it's his brother there. He's got the team, and they did a fantastic job of uh, treating us really well. And Tim Speltz was a GM at the time. Mike Babcock actually oh, yeah. was there for the four years, and uh, they ran a, a really good program. That's good to hear. You you hear some horror stories, but for the most part in Canadians, Canadian mm-hmm. Junior, you hear really good stories and good ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, so where does Dallas come into the picture? Well, and yeah, so Dallas, uh, they, they, they gave me a, a chance to come to one of their training camps. And, um, and, and before I move on to that, I just wanted to say, too, with the, with the college hockey, uh, nowadays uh, there's a lot of players that are coming from the Canadian Alberta Junior Hockey Leagues and, of course, from the USHL uh, and, and the programs down here in the U.S. And I, I would – and it depends on your opportunity, right? Sometimes right. you have an opportunity junior. Sometimes it's at the college route. But um, – you know, if I had that chance and opportunity to be going the college route, I would definitely be going that route as well. Because you mentioned yeah. you get another four years and education. and the education, which is so important. And uh, I would be a proponent for that. Yeah. Uh, so, for so sure. either way, you get the education because the the Canadian juniors, major juniors. So, and if you don't know, uh, major juniors has four branches, right? It's kind of hard to explain. Three. There's three. Yeah. So you've got the O. So you've o- got the Ontario Hockey League. Yep, Quebec Major. Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And the Dub. And then the Western Hockey League, which incom- which has teams from Manitoba all the way west and inc- and uh, includes the teams that are in uh, Washington with Tri-Cities and Portland and Seattle and, and Washington. Right. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's a lot of travel because like, you've got the Brandon Wheat Kings. That's right. And when I, So I played just in the same building as the Brandon Wheat Kings, and it was, it was terrible. <laughs> because I, I, you want to act like you're a big league guy playing junior A, but I was mm-hmm. playing junior A in Canada when there was major junior in the same building. So we were the Brandon Stingers, and nobody came to our games. Nobody cared. <laughs> no, like nobody knew you had a team. <laughs> so that was it was just interesting. But anyway, so it, yeah, like you said, they get you, you get year for year, and you get four years of college, and you can still play college hockey in a lot of those. Uh, Canadian universities, but it's not the same as playing NCAA, and it's not. Um, there's not a lot of guys going pro out of you know University of Calgary. There, there might be the, the handful of players. I'm not exactly sure, but there are some players that might end up uh, getting a chance uh, to play maybe at the East Coast Hockey League, start there, and right. make their way up. Then you get the uh, the exceptions with. Um, uh, he, he was played in Spokane. He went and played in the University. In Canada, and then he went to Sweden, did really well. Um, he plays with the Hurricanes now. Uh, Ryan. I have no idea who's talking I, about. I, it's slipping my mind right now, but he is an exception, did very well in Sweden. Now he's in the NHL and he okay. played you know, with the Hurricanes. He was with the Flames. He's with the Flames now. He's he's been with Bill Peters. So right, we'll laying, have to look at that. You're laying all up, the but, pieces there for us, and I still can't figure out. But there out. are some players yeah. that do come from there, but not as much as maybe as the NCAA. So now as a dad, uh, your kid has the chance. He's, you're, let's say your kid's 16 years old and he's got uh, USHL and he's got a dub H. He gets drafted by both. Mm-hmm. And he says, Dad, what do you, where do you think I should go? Tough question, right? Let's, say, tough, <laughs> t- let's make it harder. Spokane has drafted your son. <laughs> Now you're going to tug at the heart yeah, a little yeah. bit, right? Just tug at your loyalty uh, there. Yeah, so you know what? And it's so it's so hard because you have to look at so many different circumstances within the opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, what does the team look like? What kind of coaching is there? 
and uh, what is what does the team look like as far as um, you know are they in a building year that t- that sort of thing so um, you know what I, I I would probably say I would like to push them towards a U.S. opportunity yeah. U.S. college opportunity if I could um, if I had to lean one way or the other um, but again it just it comes down to you know those other circumstances right for sure. That makes sense. And for me, and and we haven't had a lot of opportunities for kids around here to do any of those leagues. We get maybe one a year. And the ones that I've had influence with, I've tried to get to go to the USHL. Just because, like we talked about, I think you play your four years, you age out at 20, you you start college at 21 years old, and then you get to play four more years of college. And you have those years to play hockey, be the big man on campus, get an education, and if you don't end up playing in the East Coast League or the AHL or the NHL, then you just got a degree and you played at Notre Dame or you played at Michigan. or You know, and, you've got that amazing experience. And you get to be the big shot in the Senior League. That's right. <laughs> you get right? to be the guy in Men's oh, League that has all education. the matching gear, that has colors oh. that we know right away, like, hey, that's <laughs> Bowling Green, right? I played with a guy today that was playing at Bowling Green and... Like you know those, you know the colors, you know the jersey, and that's that's cool. That's such a that's such an awesome thing. But at the same time, those it's those dub teams and those those major junior teams, you know those logos too, and those teams have so much history to them that you'd be proud to be part of that too. So I don't know. It's there's no right answer for everybody. Everybody's got to find their own niche. And that's right, for yeah. Mason Manick, he loves exactly. where he's at. And I love watching him play there, and he fits in, and he's having so. I mean, in two years, he's had two amazing years. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I kept bringing up with him too is that he's a smaller player too, mm-hmm. and he's doing really well in the dub. No, yep. he's a very, very slick, smart, crafty player. He is. Mm-hmm. He, we, you know, and we we play with him on Tuesday nights, and uh, we've got it's him, and we've got the Brickleys out there, and um, you watch you watch him match up, and you. The, you know, they play against this 50-year-old and they don't try so hard. But when they're lined up against each other, they're pushing pretty hard. And they're trying, you know, it's it's good to see. Mason's picked up some real skill in that league. And I think that that's going to help him down down the road. I, I haven't seen his name. Uh, I keep looking in the uh, North American draft. Mm-hmm. I don't see his name on there anywhere yet. We're hoping that maybe he gets called. If not, then... You know, he goes the free agent route. That's right, and and, the, and like you said, there's there's many paths for for all players, and um, you know, and and get back to what you're asking me before there. For me, I was never a drafted player, so when Dallas um, gave me the opportunity, they just invited me to one of their training camps. Uh, I guess it was good enough to get another invite the following year, and that's when um, I ended up having an offer from them, and went to Kalamazoo, which is where their affiliate was at the time, and then they actually took their affiliate and moved to Salt Lake. Yeah. And that's that's how I kind of ended up here. And it was so that was the year that you came here and you'd already played one year here and you had a decent How many years did you play here? I was only here for one season, so it was a 3-year contract. I had, that was the entry level. I had two in Kalamazoo and one here. Okay. Yeah. And when did you play the preseason game? That would have been that year. Okay. So that year that I came here, uh, well, actually, no, I, I played uh, probably 10, 15 preseason games um, during my time in Kalamazoo. Okay. Probably played another one or two when I was uh, here in Salt Lake as well. So when you play in, in the game, I mean, what, what's, what's your mindset? You're thinking, right, you know, don't, don't try too hard, don't. I mean, what's your thought process? 
Well, I, I, I'm, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, the the thing that uh, you know, when I think back to some of the the preseason games, um, you know, being being from Alberta, growing up in Edmonton, I was watching the the, the Oilers at that time. Right, they were the they were the, the team and had everybody. And you know, Grant Fear was one of those goalies that we that we were. We were Grant Fear playing street hockey, <laughs> and I just remember one of the preseason games there, stepping on the ice, and you look down and there's Grant Fear skating around. So, <laughs> you know, you're you're a little bit uh, awestruck, yeah. you know, at those times. But, um, you know, as a, as a as a as an athlete going into those games, uh, I think really the the most important thing is to, for me anyway, was to to try and uh, treat it like any other game. And once once you get Going into the game and into the warm up, and and for me, I was a type of player that tried to, um, I guess not not be so focused on what's going on outside the glass. Ah. And for me, I was I was pretty um, engaged with what was going on with the game, and that's that's what I really tried to, to to focus on and to really play in my head. What are my strengths, and what should I be doing here to stand out? Awesome. So what, yeah. tell me, that was 98, 99? Probably around that 98, 99 time. And when did they change all the clutching and grabbing? <laughs> uh, definitely after my time, right. for sure, yeah. That, uh, that would have been, it would be interesting to, to play with those type of rules. Well, your names come up a lot. When, so when that changed, you see guys like Zach Parisi, who's similar in stature to you, and maybe he's got an inch on you, mm-hmm. right? But uh, they, they, the reason he dr- dropped so far in the draft, because he was projected to go right after Marc-Andre Fleury that year. They thought, mm-hmm. Marc-Andre Fleury won, Zach Parisi too. Well, Zach drops to 16 because people are saying, no, he's too small. But then they, the clutching and grabbing changes, mm-hmm. and they get rid of it. And now you're seeing these guys, like you could have had, I think you would have had a lot longer career. And obviously, I've seen you play a ton, and maybe I'm biased, but... <laughs> It seems like you would have had an amazing career if they, if they would have let, if you would have had these 6'4 guys not be able to hold on to you the whole time you were playing. <laughs> well, there's a few times I do remember guys uh, grabbing onto the jersey and I had to pull them to the net <laughs> as I'm trying to get there. But uh, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that maybe I could have played a little bit more. But, um, you know, for, for me, uh, I was, I, I was, I don't know if I was a prolific scorer uh, necessarily at the professional level. I, I, for me, I like to, I'd like to have a, a rounded game with, uh, you know, playing a good defensive game and also have the offensive game as well. So, but it would have been really interesting yeah. to play with those rules and to see how much different it That's, would be to play at that level yeah, no with, with that type of, um, you know, rules in place. That's got to be one of those tough things because I've to have your skill level and to know that, or, or just to wonder, like, could I have had a, a way longer, better career, you know, mm-hmm. or a, a an NHL career, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that was the talk. And that, we were talking before we went on the air. I remember I got to see one of the preseason games, and I don't remember where I saw it or, or why I saw it, but I remember seeing and we had heard about who the new guys were coming in, and I got to see you. And I, I, wanna, I don't remember who you played against, but I remember the new and, Joey Newendike was on the ice, or I don't remember. No, I can't remember who it was, uh, was on the ice. And when you got on the ice, the announcers are talking about, here's the best skater in the NHL today. <laughs> That's what they said about you when you got on the ice, and wow. I'll ne- I'll never forget because then I got to I got to I was there e-bugging practice when you mm-hmm. came in that year, mm-hmm. and uh, for camp, and I remember thinking and it, 
Because the minute you hit the ice, you know you're on the ice. For especially for a goaltender, you're like a shark. Like you, the way you cut through the ice and the way you move around, it's so smooth. And as a goaltender, I know I'm in trouble because of the moves you have, and it's it's pretty impressive. And I thought that was pretty cool to hear that. I don't know if you heard the announcer say that or if that was, you know, your scouting report was your. It had to be your skating a lot of the times. Yeah, well, that that was probably one of my strengths that allowed me to play at that level. And I think for any any smaller player and any player nowadays, for sure. You definitely have to be a good skater. Right. You got to be good on your skates. And I think we all see now the game right now, the way players can Jeez, play right uh, now. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And you don't have any of those. Um, of course, there's room for some of the, the bigger players that, um, that, you know, the enforcer type role. But yeah, you got, even then, you still have to be able to skate and play. And um, that was one of the things that I believe that allowed me to, to play. Yeah, well, it's funny because you talk about that. I remember back then also there were guys that were fighters or whatever, and they could only turn one way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was back then, and yeah. You, <laughs> and you think about it, you think, well, everybody in the NHL has got to be a great skater, and that's not the case. Some guys are just really good at faceoffs, but mm-hmm. they can't skate backwards or whatever. You know, you, I know a guy that got drafted and played 10, 15 years in the NHL because he could win almost every faceoff. He was like mm-hmm. a 70% guy, mm-hmm. and he played a long career. Because they'd be like, all right, go take this face off. We need this D-zone win. And, and then come off the ice. And then get right <laughs> off the ice. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And that, and they, I, you see less of that now because guys, I mean, you watch guys like uh, Nathan McKinnon. I mean, unbelievable. It's He's just, exciting to watch. Yeah. So every time he gets the puck, and he does the stuff that you tell kids not to do, the Benihana, like, he's so choppy with the puck, but it's... It's almost hypnotizing the way he does it. And, you know, and Austin Matthews and these guys that you watch that, you know, the stick handling in a phone booth and all that stuff. And it's a lot of the stuff that you're teaching kids now that, that we see. So you come to Utah, you play one season here, and then where do you end up? So after that year, I ended up, uh, I didn't re-sign with Dallas, and I ended up signing with the, with the Oilers organization. Uh, went and uh, it was fortunate, and and that was another preseason game I played. Uh, it was actually Edmonton and Calgary, Battle of Alberta. So that, oh, was, wow. that was a fun oh, one to play cool. in, and I had family and friends there. Uh, but I spent uh, that year in Hamilton, Ontario. That's where their affiliate was at that time. Okay. So I was with them, and then after that is when I ended up going to Germany after that. Yeah, and you spent a long time in Germany. I was, uh, you know, fortunate. I, you know, I feel fortunate to have played professional hockey, and for as long as I did, uh, I, I feel very grateful. And, you know, considering the size, um, it was, you know, you, you can get those injuries no matter what size, but I, I feel very fortunate to have played. And uh, I played in uh, Germany for, for nine years, yeah. played in one city, and then went and played another one for uh, nine years uh, after, after that. I guess, let's see, 10, 11. I played one in Augsburg, nine in Nuremberg, and then played one in England. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And now, yeah. Go ahead, Greg. No, no, I was just going to say, weren't you saying that the, the bunch of people you've seen, you know, wearing, like they'd be wearing your jersey around town, right? Yeah, so, and I don't no, know if not, you're... Not nowadays, I don't think. <laughs> oh, this is in the last few years. So then I bring you in and you start working my camp. So you marry a Utah girl. You fall for what we call, is that yes. right? You fall yeah, for the, yeah. you fell into the Utah I, I trap. married <laughs> <laughs> Hey, she's from here, and I, you know what? I'm partial to the West too. Coming from Alberta and spending time in the mountains, so this is yeah. pretty gorgeous here. Yeah, it is gorgeous here, and we have gorgeous women. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that and that seems to help us develop our hockey program. Of course. Because we have you and Kevin Guy and we have all <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have all exactly. these guys that marry Utah girls and that helps our helps our depth here. But uh we so I, I bring you in to run my camps and then you get to know like you know, Jordan Parisi and Troy Davenport and Evan Stofflett. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're even on this text chain, but they'll go and play in the buildings that you've played in. So Jordan went and played in the DEL hmm. and he was with, uh, Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, well, I'll, I'll occasionally get these random pictures from up in the stands or whatever. And there's somebody with your Jersey on <laughs> with a Lieb Jersey on from, from usually Nuremberg. That's, That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean. You were definitely impactful there, and, and people remember you, and that's got to be cool. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that uh, and maybe it was my brother's jersey, too, oh, that's, since, he, since he played so, over there as well. Yeah, and that's, so let's talk about that. Uh, your brother is older? He is younger. He's yeah, younger. Two years younger. All right, and your, tell us his name and where he played. Uh, his name is Brad. He actually uh, he played, grew up and played in Alberta as well, and then he was actually drafted by the Red Deer Rebels, so the, the hometown junior oh, okay. team. Oh. So he played there for... A uh, few years, um, and then after that, he ended up signing with uh, Vancouver, and uh, he w- ended up with uh, the Toronto uh, in their organization. But he played a lot of games with Vancouver, right? He played. I think he played a total of four regular season games. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I thought he played a couple seasons. I I thought he had a couple hundred games. I was. No, I, uh, yeah, I wish he would have had that. But yeah, yeah he had uh, you know a handful of games between Vancouver and Toronto. Okay, and then once he um, uh, stopped playing here in North America, he came over to Germany. Uh, the team that I was on was interested in him. Didn't end up signing him. We played down the road for a year, so we played against each other again, just <laughs> ah, like cool. we did in junior. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, uh, Nuremberg signed him, and then we ended up playing on the same team together for I think it was I think we played together for the re- the rest of our hockey pro hockey careers which was another 5 years I believe. Yeah. yeah. And so and then you guys go and you get your master's degrees is that And that's where we ended up after Germany we ended up going to uh, England in, in the city of Coventry. Yeah. And with with those programs over there and as you know I think uh, Stofflet's over there yep. right now getting yeah. his degree and Just finished finals, yeah. So they they do a good job with some of those teams over there. They have spots for maybe three or four players that uh, are interested in getting their master's degrees or their MBA degrees and um, provide that opportunity for them to do that at the same time as playing. So my brother and I ended up going over there, yeah. did that, and then uh, we ended up retiring from pro hockey after that season. Now, what what did you guys do? Did you do the thing with the sticks in the middle of the ice? Or you did something in your last game, right? Uh, you know what, for, for us at that time, our last game, I don't know what that is, but I'd like to hear more about it. <laughs> if you can remember, but I haven't heard about that. They, in our last game, they, for their playoffs, it was more of a tournament format. Right. I, remember, I was just remembered something different. And the, so I guess if, if there was a bonus in any of it, the last game we played, we knew it was going to be our last game, uh, but it wasn't for a final. It was kind of a consolation thing. So we knew it was going to be our last game and could sort of enjoy it uh, as opposed to being in a playoff situation where it's a do or die and you, you can't really enjoy that. Yeah, you know, that yeah. right, right, right. So, that's, be nice. so that's how it ended up for us. Okay. And there was no ceremonial part where you guys left your sticks on the ice or in the I middle of the I have not heard about that. Okay. Yeah. That, some, that must have been somebody else then because I, I swear I thought it was you guys. Um, obviously, it wasn't Jordan and his brother because his brother's still playing. But huh? somebody that I knew that was – they they went to center ice and just put their sticks down, hmm. and then left the ice. And that was 
Maybe movie, maybe. Wow, movie. could have been a movie. <laughs> I could have. I could have just dreamt the whole thing. I am pretty old now. I don't remember. Can't tell fiction from reality anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, what year was that one? That would have been, uh, I believe, is two thousand thirteen. Oh, I believe. Man. Yeah, yeah. But that sounds like you know, Europe has a lot of those uh, different little traditions. That yeah. you see, and you see it with uh, with with the hurricanes now, where they you know engage with their fans right, after right. a win. a bunch and, of jerks yeah, yeah i love right. that i love it <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and that's where you see in europe a, a lot of those um traditions afterwards where you can you know at the home games uh guys will bring their kids onto the ice where yeah. they do their oh, cool. you know a little victory lap and yeah. wave with the fans and do their little interaction with the fans and how the uh, fans you see a lot there? that you know they're, they're they're very passionate they're they? they're so loud singing the whole time loud. they you know with with a lot of them especially in germany they they have their drums so that really you know <laughs> makes is pretty awesome. loud in some of those buildings um <laughs> but they're they're very passionate. you have your core group of fans that are very passionate and um and and they'll support you, and and they'll they'll uh, and, you know we're just talking about those jerseys. They'll they'll be loyal to players like that, and and they love the jerseys. They they will they will um, you know with all the auctions that they do have with all the different jerseys, uh, they will be very supportive with those events, and and you'll see them. They 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 wear their scarves, their jerseys, everything. Uh, so I thought it would be cool. I'm on the Twitter feed for Evan's team now, mm-hmm. f- the Fife Flyers or whatever. So I get these yep. things, and they were doing a jersey auction, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that jersey for Evan and just give it to him <laughs> later. And I could not keep up with uh, these people the are spending the money like. <laughs> I'm a, it's I must incredible. be competing against lottery winners or something because, yeah, they, I, I was not going to win that raffle or that, <laughs> <laughs> that bid. The one, the one story that stands out for me was a player that played there for about 10, uh, gosh, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 seasons. And, uh, he was a North American player but played there forever in Nuremberg. And uh, his name was Marty Juranic. And, and his jersey ended up going for, and this might have been his last year of playing, I think it went for 5,000 euros. Whoa. Wow. It's incredible. That is incredible. I mean, that's, that's obviously a very extreme one, but yeah. that, that was the one that stood out for me. Wow, incredible. Okay, so you, you wrap up your current career in Europe. You end up back in Utah, and then I rope you into helping me coach, And uh, which the smartest thing I've ever done is I was the head coach, but I would just have Greg come and run everything right. and ask Greg all the questions. Delegate. Yeah, I delegated everything. Yeah. I just basically learned everything I could. And I told you that coming in. You said you didn't have enough time to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. I'd be the head coach. And but you've been coaching ever since then. You now with your kids or with other organizations, mm-hmm. who are you with now? I am with the Junior Grizzlies with okay. with my two boys. Yeah. Okay. Um and I was with uh with the Oval as well. So both my boys um have come through the Oval program as mites. Uh, is now I've been with the Junior Grizzlies and the Oval for the past couple of years now, um, and and I've been doing uh, some skill sessions with the other teams with the Junior Grizz as well. Uh, and then a few years back, you just mentioned there uh, was with the Eagles. That, yeah. that's when um, yeah. I knew some people there, and they got me started. And then being with you there with that team as well. Uh, so I've I've been with the Eagles currently with the junior grizzlies is that was it your kids that made you want to get into coaching yeah it's an interesting question that's uh going from playing to coaching is always an adjustment i think Uh, maybe there's some players that have have made it you know seamlessly but i think just with everything 
you have to um, get some experience. And, and if you haven't done it before, then you don't know exactly maybe what the expectations are with the organization. And you probably have to find your own style as well. And, right. And your own, you know, what works for, for you as a coach and your personality. And so for me, it was starting out with the mites. You know, I was right. asked to coach, hey, I need a coach for this team. <laughs> and for me, it was like, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I haven't coached before. But, you know, you dive right in. And, and even with mites, you're looking at, well, how do I coach mites? Right. How, do you, how do you teach mites <laughs> how to do this? But As long um, as they can stand up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah part, number, that's the first part, right? Stand up. But after that, um, and over at the Oval, um, Jeremy Weiss over there had his way of coaching. And I think with uh, a lot of the coaches over there, we've been able to um, uh, structure it in a way that I think has worked with with teaching those kids. And so from there, uh, I ended up, you know, helping out coaching with the squirts. And then, of course, with, with Jay and his team and the older kids, uh, which is – you know, between those two ages and you get down to the little kids, they're a different animal. <laughs> right. So you got to find a way to, to get to them. Um, but that's that's how I got started. And, and of course, if, if they're going to be involved, then I want to be involved as well. And you, you just continue to learn as a coach. You you know, being, uh, being involved at different levels, you figure out what works for this age, what works for the younger ages. Um, and you learn how to, you know, there's some parents that aren't familiar with the game and you learn how to, you know, educate them as well. And, um, but as a coach, I think you're always learning. Do you think, uh, you'd go to, you, you want to keep going higher? You know, Next at this level. point, and I was, I was lucky enough to have Tim Branham call from, from the big Grizzlies a couple of years ago. And he knew my limitations with being, helping with my boys coaching and I couldn't necessarily go on road trips and, and, uh, you know, he asked me, well, help out when you can. So I was limited, but, um, coaching at the professional level, um, was, was definitely exciting and, you know, spending so much time, uh, at the professional level playing, it was nice to see it from the coaching side. Is it something that I would like to do? Possibly, but it's not on my radar at this point. I right. think I'm more focused just on on my boys at this point. Yeah. I think that's more important. Because right that's now. fun. Yeah, and and <laughs> as it goes it goes by fast. I think so as you know, fast. right? Man, my yeah. gosh, it sure does. So Crazy. you got to soak it up. Yeah. Next thing you know, your kid's a soccer player, and you don't even have hockey in your life anymore. <laughs> oh, easy. Come here. You need a hug. <laughs> I do need a hug. I, I used to go to the rink all the time. Now I don't. I just go when I can. You know, I don't yeah. coach anything anymore. So. <laughs> It, it was like you were. Your name came up uh, with the Grizzlies, and you you took what you could. Then is do you think taking time off in between that coaching your kids from now to then? Let's say you coach them, you co- spend the next seven years coaching your kids. Does that help you go from where you're at to pro? Do you get a better understanding of how to coach, or does that take your name up like you're, you're off the radar for the next seven years? Uh, that's a good question. I think I thought so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best question I've ever asked. Well, the first thing that comes to mind was um, I'd I'd like to hear what maybe another coach has experienced that's at the pro level now, and it, what their thoughts are. I would think that at this point that you you would probably gain quite a bit. It gives you that time, I think, to understand more about the game and understand it at different levels and maybe what that progression is. 
and if you move up into you know 14s, 16s, 18s, that sort of thing, I think you, um, as a coach, you, you learn to maybe dissect the game at that level, yeah. and just as a as a, like a as a player, you learn how to play at the different levels. I think as a coach, it, I don't think it harms you in any way. If anything, it might um, help with your knowledge. Yeah. I think I hope so. Grow with the game. That's that's what I would think. You, you know, you kind of. It's almost like going back to school, like you're learning at all mm-hmm. age groups. And that's kind of what Kevin Guy's doing with, you know, with his son, right? He's coaching 14, 16. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how you do it. It, it was funny, though, because like you say, you, when you coach at the younger levels, and I, I stayed out of it for a little bit because it was so frustrating to mainly deal with the parents and, and what they expected out of their kids, and I didn't want to step into that until, they got, until the kids got a little bit older and wanted it for themselves. But I was always there helping with goalies or whatever and just having fun with them. Mm-hmm. And then as the kids got older and then that – our last year with the Eagles and then my years with, with the Ogden Mustangs coaching juniors, it's it's interesting to watch those kids develop and see the ones that actually figure out the game. But I, I honestly remember one time turning to you because we had taught the kids entry and we taught the kids the same entry and the same entry and the same entry. And then we play games and that entry's nowhere – like they just forget to do it. And I'm like, what can we – how do you make this work? Why don't they do what we coach them to do? And you're just like, I don't know, it's just part of the game, I guess. I mean, it's well, just Yeah, I think, well, if it, just like anything, right, if you've been doing it for a while, it becomes habitual. And, uh, you know, I think we're really excited with um, some, of, some of these younger groups that we're sort of introducing some of that to. And, uh, and, and you start to see it, which is obviously rewarding as a coach to see that and so we're we're kind of excited to see what they might look like a few years down the road, and um, you know, with, with with those players, it just I think it just takes time, right? Yeah. And time and and um, repetition. And having guys like you and Kevin Guy and Weiss and those guys you were talking about um, teaching these kids at a younger age, I think the problem with with what we were getting on older kids is they hadn't been taught anything system wise. You just had parents that were doing their best that didn't grow up with hockey because they grew up in Utah. They grew up watching whatever. And now their kids are hockey players and now they're the coach mm-hmm. and they don't know systems. They don't know entry. They don't know, they don't know a lot of those things. Right. So you just have kids that were coached to pass it to the kid that can go end to end. And then everybody crashed the net or whatever. There weren't systems. There wasn't teamwork. There wasn't hockey IQ going on. So I think having guys like you now, in the, we're already seeing the benefits in the older groups, and you go to these high school games now, and you see it. Or we're getting guys like Mason Manick. We're getting guys like um, Jay Landakusic, who's playing in college, and and now we're starting to see the benefits of having guys like you here for a few years. So it's now when you teach an entry, these kids will probably know exactly what you're talking about. Well, we're, we're hoping that, but yeah, I think that you know, considering the Olympics, I think was huge for and very instrumental in growing the game here, right? Because of the ranks, and obviously, I wasn't here around that time, but uh, a lot of guys, uh, you know, our age, growing up, saying, "I wish there would there was more opportunity," yeah. and that's that's the impression I'm getting. There just wasn't the opportunity to play, so. So naturally, there's not a lot of hockey around. That's right. But um, I mean, I started playing when I was 27. Yeah, picked <laughs> well, up the game at 27. It's like okay. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys that say, "I wish that was. Uh, I wish I had that opportunity. When I was younger. I would have, you know, played that for sure." Um, but we see now that you're talking about all these players that are going, you know, having the opportunity to play at high levels. I think is just um, 
a reflection of the having the facilities here, which I think are fantastic. They're obviously world class and yeah. kind of spoiled here with these facilities. But you see more and more players that are getting that opportunity, which is nice to see and yeah, hopefully continues. True. So coaching, yeah. coaching your your your, your kids. Um, what's like the what's the best part? And do they listen to you? Because <laughs> I remember one year I was helping out, and my son was just like, <laughs> one time said to me, he's just like, don't talk to me when we're out there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> do I ever talk to you? I'm your coach. What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> just trying to help you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll let the other coach help you now. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's that, always that parent-child dynamic, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, everybody experiences, and at some point it's just it's not the same, right? It, doesn't, it's, mm-hmm. it sounds it's, different coming from somebody else. So I think, yeah, I mean, I still experience that too. And, um, you know, with, with every player, they're they're receptive to to certain people and certain coaches, and so I experience that too. Um, but you know, with that being said, there's there's times where you you see those flashes of oh yeah, we did talk about that. No, they are picking up on that, and I think if sometimes you give them that little space, sometimes you, you you'll see it down the road. And so we, I, I hope that uh, uh, not only with them but with all those other players too, you, you just see that you know that light bulb go off when when it works. You know something actually yeah. works and. Uh, but that's that's the fun part, I think, is is seeing that growth and development, and not only just on the hockey side, but with with the the sport and the culture of hockey. Uh, I just believe that there's so much that can be learned um, for life skills and just yeah. developing character in that mentality of of um, determination and perseverance and, and that sort of thing. I think the game can, and if and if the coaches obviously embrace that as well. That combined with the game can really teach kids how to, you know, I guess, succeed in life. And a lot of good characteristics can be developed out of that. Yeah, and it's great, you know, and you're spending time at the rink with your kids. And, That's, uh, you know, You're not away from them. And That's great. Exactly. I think, the kid, I think the kids grow up better for it. I think the parents grow up better for it. I mean, you become a better parent for it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. You handle it right. So I think I've, there's been some bad examples, obviously, at the rinks. Yes. Yeah. But, uh yeah, it's it's it was good for us. It kept our family close. All the road trips for travel team, yeah. it you know it yeah, bankrupted us, <laughs> but it, <laughs> yeah. it, it kept us close. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's funny you mentioned that though. It's kind of like uh, watching an episode of Knight Rider, you know, because they'd introduce something to Kit the car. They <laughs> it's and then you teach yeah. you teach your kids something at one point, and then at the end of the episode, they uh, they needed that part, and you could just see where it clicked. Mm-hmm. And that was the same with working with younger goalies. Is you'd work on something they couldn't do it, and they couldn't do it, and then all of a sudden in a game they pull it off, and you could just see they're like, "Oh, I just did that," mm-hmm. you know, "I just did a backside push or something where it was really hard at first." And that's that's a that's the fun part of coaching, mm-hmm. even if it's with your own kid. Mm-hmm. All right, so awesome. hockey, it's growing. It's you think it's in good hands now. You like the organizations, and there've been some big changes in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think from from what I see anyway, I there there are there's a lot of. Uh, good hockey guys around hockey minds that uh, are around here and the, I, I like um, getting to getting to know some other coaches from other organizations that uh, have come from out of state and they've played at high levels they've played um, you know in Minnesota or other parts of Canada and you know somehow they're ending up here in Utah but 
you know, the hockey world is a small world, as you know. It doesn't matter what level or right. or where you are, but worldwide, it's uh, it's a it's a small world, and and so naturally, you end up getting to bump into them at some point. And it does seem like there's you know a good handful of good hockey minds out there, and and hopefully with our you know small enough hockey population of kids, which uh, I, I wish there was there was more. Obviously, I think a lot of people um, would like to see a bigger talent pool of kids playing uh, i know i understand that there's barriers to get into the sport um, which are definitely no. yeah understandable um but i mean we've seen we see it in california how you know it's grown quite a bit in other places like arizona and, oh, and yeah. you know it's it's big so um but it, it it's it's nice to get together with with those other um hockey minds if you will those other coaches and 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 start uh, working together with, you know, building those those teams and and uh, those levels of players. I think the biggest thing is structuring it and getting the right players together, and having that uh, that opportunity for players. It doesn't matter what skill level. Get with the right skill level because you can develop better. Right. I think with with players at, at the same skill level. Uh, you know, for me, I was never on every AAA team growing up, and I was cut from teams. And um, you know, somehow I, you know, I was fortunate to continue on, but I was at the right level I needed to be at to advance. And, well, and it's it's I got advice one time from JP Parisi, and uh, you know, he had a long NHL career and then raised two kids that played in the NHL. And and when Tegan made the Shattuck St. Mary's team in eighth grade. And I'm like, this is going to be expensive, but should I do this? And he's like, why? Why would you do this at this point? Why would you send one? Why would you send a goalie to Shattuck? Nobody scouts goalies from mm-hmm. Shattuck. And he says, two, it doesn't matter if he's down playing at the pond, as long as he wants to go to the rink and he's with kids that want to play and he's having fun, mm-hmm. he can make it. Mm-hmm. And when he's 16, 17, then let him go somewhere else to play. Mm-hmm. But right now, don't do it. Just keep him, just keep him playing, keep him involved mm-hmm. in the sport. But uh, all right, we got to wrap up. I just got to say, it's it's awesome to have guys like you involved in Utah hockey, and uh, it's I've personally seen the difference you've made in the kids in our camps over the years, and the kids tell me now, and Trevor Lewis told us like that summer he worked with you all summer, and then he goes off to have his his best year of his career, and some stuff he learned from you in Utah. He, this was like seventh, eighth year in the NHL, and he comes home and works with you and learns some stuff and has his career year. So it's amazing to have a resource like that here. So thank you for being here, and thanks for all the time and effort you put into our kids. And I know it's helping your kids now too, so you get some benefit from it, but we all benefit from having you. So, Greg, thanks for your, your huge, huge asset for us here in Utah. Well, thanks for having me here. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd attribute his season to anything. Well, I, <laughs> I would, I would say that, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm still learning and I yeah. was just back East and, uh, spending time with guys that I've played before that are now, um, skills coaches running programs and guys that are being asked by NHL teams to be skills coaches that, uh, I'm learning more from what they're doing. So, um, you know, it, it's like uh, it's like everybody. We're we're all learning as coaches and as players, and and uh, the more that happens, we see it. A lot of players are coming out of here and 
Perfect. It's, Good yeah. to see. So awesome. thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's been awesome. <laughs> All right, if you haven't subscribed yet, text the word PUCK to 57500. Go to com. You can find all of the awesome sports podcasts that KSL has right there. And uh, I guess that's it. Welcome back. We're, we're here for the summer. Yeah, We're back for the summer. All right. All right, you, I like it. See you next week. We're going to have more college players in next week. Fantastic. All right, that's it It'll for us. Good. The Utah Puck Report, we're out.